Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. Let's jump into how do you generate leads in this new world? So for the first one, do a bit of research into how your consumer is currently vetting and making choices, which are probably, like you just said, April, new ones. Yes, for sure. I mean, just think about the fact that we couldn't go to stores anymore, right? To the point of foot traffic and such. I mean, there are so many instances. We have had a hard time finding any business that has not been affected either negatively or positively by COVID. So that just shows you how much the entire world has changed. But when you think about your consumers, While you should always be keeping track of them and seeing how they're reacting to you and taking moments to connect, it is even more imperative now because what you're going to find is that their behaviors have definitely changed. And I think that part of this is really specific to social and digital. So before this whole pandemic, we saw tons of people just jumping on that bandwagon, right? And there's lots of discussion out there about finding the right channels and the right conversation and meaningful messaging and how many messages people get in a day, all those types of things, right? Even more important now. And the importance of it becomes going where you need to be versus just doing it because. And what I mean by that is, you know, digital ads, for example, may be great for you. They may not. We see a lot of people doing those. We talked on a different episode about people doing them and leading to a website that was subpar. I mean, there are tons of instances where things are being done just to do something instead of things being done because I found my consumer here and this appears to be where they are now. I would say when doing this, it doesn't have to be some tremendous exercise, especially if you generally know who you're serving. It just becomes a matter of doing a little bit of digging. So before you go out with any kind of new script or new venue you're going to put your promotions or now you're going to do social, whatever those decisions are, make sure that you've taken the time to check in with your consumers and really see where they are. So for example, Anne talked about the industry events, right? You have information on industry events if you focus there. So go to that list of connections, remake connections, commiserate on what you're all dealing with, work together to find a new solution to then better serve your customers collectively. Or if they are consumers or customers, ask them how they're doing things and how it has changed. Do a handful of those. That can be your research. But just make sure you're not leaving the consumer out of the equation. Yeah, I think that's going to be the broken record you're going to hear a lot from us um, is that the consumer is really the core of where you start. And if you don't go back to your consumer, you have a big opportunity and missing. Um, And that's where we hear a lot of people say, well, I did this. I put this money into digital ads and it didn't do anything. It's like, well, did you check to see if that's where your consumer really want to hear your message? Is that where they're really looking for you? If not, then you really shouldn't be doing digital ads. There's a probably a different place that may be a little bit more traditional in the in the one-on-one contact and one-on-one networking that that might be the way that you know you you go. So you have to really like spend some time there and think about that and and do your research. So I think that's a really good point. And then you alluded to also the digital ads leading to websites and um This was an episode that we did just previously on monumental website mistakes that people make. 
So the second um, way that you actually create really good lead gen is making sure your website is solid. And this is a very good opportunity to do that. And as we talked about in that episode, and I'll reiterate now because it's such an important point, is Google searching is one of the first actions people are going to take to find out about you. That's how they're going to vet you. And if your website is outdated or if it's of low quality, then you're not going to make a good first impression. So what you need to do is you really need to concentrate on making sure that that is a really provocative, compelling billboard for your business and making sure that that is going to operate in a way that's going to translate anybody that's coming there into a call to action that you want them to do, whether that's call you or fill something out or download something. So making sure that that is working very, very hard for you is extremely important. Yes. And being very clear on what you're providing to that target audience. So your messaging Mm -hmm. immediately draws them in when they get there and they say, yes, that's me and that's what I need. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So the third uh, way to get your lead gen back on track is to do good for the community. Yes, and this is a topic that um, I've become super passionate about over the course of this, and I know many people have, right? We're all looking in COVID for bright moments or moments of joy or moments where we can point to the good in humanity and society and all of those things, right? So without getting into that soapbox too much, the idea here is to this is a time now more than ever to give back, to prop somebody up, to support someone else, to support your community, to come together as one and really work together. And we have seen this a ton in the restaurant community. You know, I live in downtown Cincinnati and obviously one of the very first places where there was a giant hit was when all the restaurants and bars had to shut down. And the ones that not only are still open or open again uh, and thriving again, they're the ones that were smart and they pivoted their business, but they also did a community um, kind of bent to it, right? So Mita, right down the street from us, if you could show a pay stub that you worked in the restaurant industry, they would give you two meals and two items of your choice each day, whether that was toilet paper or toothpaste or some kind of item that you need. And they got donations from the community and they got a lot of press for that. And people really supported them for being a pillar, even when they were also struggling. Then you had like Sacred Beast is another restaurant in town. They were one of the first ones to change their restaurant into what they called the Beast Mart. And so you could go in, you could buy beer, you could pick up your prepackaged meal. It was either already made or it gave you the components to make one of their meals. And it transitioned to carry out in a totally different way than just picking up your food from a restaurant. And then we had other ones that were servicing the healthcare community specifically. So Pleasantry was an example. They put up a kind of like a crowdsourcing thing that they wanted to give 10000 uh meals to healthcare workers so you could go on and donate a meal and then they would free of charge drive it to whatever hospital was in need that night and deliver all these meals to the people that were on the front lines helping with everything. And I think that those are all really great examples and ones that stick with us especially when these businesses are also in tragedy or experiencing tough things themselves and going out of their way to do some good for the community. That's that goodwill and that authenticity that we talk about from a brand standpoint that lives beyond the moment and that consumers become more regular consumers and even advocates beyond what they normally were when things go back to normal or whatever the new normal may be. 
Yeah, I have. Um, I invested in a restaurant in Seattle, Washington called Spice Walla, and they had just opened pre-COVID, and uh, they um, were trying to figure out how they could best serve their community because they're in the business district, and what they did was offer 50 free dinners two days a week, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And they're just getting started, right? So that was a really big thing that they did. Um, in order to really drive um, that relationship with the community and sh- and, and and show the community, hey, they, we're here for you um, in good times and bad. And I think that's a really good point to make with the ones that you um, you you made as well. In that it's authentic and it's enduring. I mean, I think that's really really important. Is that mm-hmm. if you're going to come in and just do a publicity stunt. It's not going to work. People are going to exactly. see right through it. You can't take advantage of other people's strategies for just solely your own benefit. Now, that being said, you could do good for the community and you can leverage that as part of your business. That mm-hmm. is totally okay. But you need it. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be something that you are inherently willing to support and not just in and out. It has to be something that you're willing to support on an ongoing basis because we have a pandemic today. But tomorrow, there's still poverty. There's still other things going on. So if you're doing these things in the moment, think about how they're going to endure and go forward and how it becomes part of your brand um, in a way that is um, you know, a, a nice way to create those emotional connections with the community. Because unless you're Richard Branson, I'm like, you can't really get by with publicity stunts just for mm. the, the purpose of just publicity. So it's just not going to work. So do it, but do it authentically. Do it in a way that's enduring. It's okay if you know you benefit from it. You are a business. That is totally legit. Just don't take advantage of anybody's situation in a gratuitous way. Yes. Right. Exactly. All right. So then the next way to really stimulate your lead gen is offer something of value to incentivize for action to be taken right now. Now, this could be a promotion, a gift with purchase, a reduced rate, a free introductory session, some level of access, something that provides really tangible value. And one example that we've seen, and we've seen this a ton right now, is free webinars, right? So people are trying to give away some free value. They give you a nugget, especially in this context where people are struggling, and that is fabulous. But usually at the end of that, there is something to buy that's of much higher value. Now, this can work. I mean, it could definitely work. And we've seen it, you know, in inundation and especially like right now on LinkedIn, everybody seems like they're doing it and they still seem to be doing it. It works very well. We see it in niche style environments. So when you're really going after a specific audience that appreciates you for what you deliver already, then we've seen that it works. If you are, you know, you could be Joe Schmo marketer and, you know, there's other Joe Schmo marketer right next to you and you both are you know, communicating the same thing to a very broad audience, your credibility may not be able to translate there into something that's going to be of value to folks because how did they know that you, Joe Schmo, are my marketing genius that I really need for my business right now? But I can say and honestly can say that I have... I mean, that's worked on me. So, for example, when um, I was just getting ready to leave P&G, I got wind that Kevin O'Leary was going to be at the Aronoff um, offering, you know, his advice. I guess if you guys know, you know, obviously Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. Um, and I love Shark Tank. My husband loves Shark Tank. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what this is all about. 
Um, I was already skeptical when I had gone in and I had to sign something when I was walking in. I was like, all right, what this was this all about? And I quickly found out it was actually a pitch for real estate education. And I was like, oh, wow, they bait and switched me. I was originally pretty like upset. And I hadn't even heard Kevin O'Leary yet. He didn't even come on till like 9.30 or 10 o'clock. But, um, you know, after I was, I listened for a while and I kind of got where they were going, I actually ended up buying the package at the end, which actually kickstarted our real estate um, venture. So it worked for me. Kevin O'Leary, by the way, was great. He had really fantastic insights. Um, loves women-owned businesses, by the way, like propped them all up. So I thought that was kind of cool. But, you know, you have to be just, you have to be smart in, in, in how you do it. And I think the other thing is... It has to be time bound. This can't be something that's like evergreen, that it can happen in months. You want to make sure people are incentivized to take action right now. That helps to uh, get you the return on your investment that you're looking for in a time where you're trying to you know, generate those leads in, in, in a kind of a, a new time. Yes, exactly. And I think that time bound thing is also really good help in managing the business. You don't want to have these hanger ons or these trickle in things that come far later and you're no longer even in the mindset to provide whatever was there. The business has moved forward. I also think it's a good way to catch people's attention. I mean, there's a reason that sales and limited time offers and for the next 24 hours, all those things come into your inbox with those calls to action because they really do tend to work, again, if you are meeting the right customers where they are and they're open and wanting what you're providing. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. All right. So the fifth way to uh, perk up your lead gen, up your customer service. Yes. And this is another one that I love. So I'll take this one. Um, but speaking again to kind of the community um, of where we live and the restaurants and the bars and all of those things that have been affected, I think the other part, both pre and non during COVID or something that's been consistent about these certain examples I'm going to give is that it is always a heightened customer service experience, but in a way that is unexpected so that each time you're surprised and delighted. And what I mean by that is, for example, so there's a restaurant group in town, um, the Boca Restaurant Group, and there's several different restaurants. And some of these have franchised out across the nation. Um, but in any case, the ones that we frequent are Soto and then Nada, which has other locations, like I said, in other cities. And so what really started – Soto is, first of all, incredible. The best Italian food ever. I mean, the service is impeccable. We have never had a bad experience. It's always been super consistent. The service is top-notch. I mean, there's nothing bad that I could say. And coming from the place of someone who was married to a person that worked at a high-end steakhouse for 10 years, we are very critical. There is nothing bad I can say. However, with all of that, we were there for my son's fourth birthday. And at the time, we also had a one-year-old. And we took an earlier dinner slot because we thought, you know, this is super fancy, but our son has always loved it. Now we have two. The one doesn't like to sit in her chair. How's this going to go? So we took the 530 reservation, but the restaurant was starting to fill up. And my kids were not on the best behavior that day. But they caught wind of the fact that it was Sam's fourth birthday. 
That staff not only came out and brought him dessert, they brought him a signed four-year-old birthday card from the entire staff and an age-appropriate gift wrapped for him to open of toys for a four-year-old boy. Talk about being completely blown away. And you can only imagine how many times I've told that story, but also how many similar stories I've heard from other people. And then similarly, so that's the expectation we have, right? Nada is one of the other restaurants in the group. So we were down in Indianapolis, and we decided it'd be fun to go to Nada there because the kids really like it. And so they came out. They were talking to my son. They brought him churros, and then they brought us a onesie, size appropriate for our infant, that um, had the Nada Indianapolis brand. And then we're kind of poking fun, like, oh, she's been to the one in Cincinnati. Make sure you tell them that they didn't give her her onesie. She has the Indy one, you know. But just breeding that culture of things that you really – don't come to expect. And then, you know, fast forward, there's a brewery that just opened in my neighborhood. I'll give props to Rebel Metal. We love it there. So please visit if you're in Cincinnati. Um, but they're great guys and they, they really want to be part of the neighborhood. I think breweries are something that can be hit or miss with little kids, but they have welcomed literally everyone in the neighborhood in, including my two. And so I bought one of their sweatshirts and I just offhandedly made the comment to Mike, the, the owner, you know, are you going to print kids stuff? I'd love for the kids to have something. He's like, ah, oh, not right now you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. Didn't think anything of it. We were in there the next week and he printed two mini t-shirts for my kids just as a thank you for coming in on a regular basis. And those are the types of moments we're talking about. It's about blowing people away from a customer service perspective. I think customer service, unfortunately, in today's world lacks kind of across the board. I'll make that generalization. So when you get a good experience, that's great. But when you get an experience that consistently surprises you above and beyond the great service you already get, that's when you really know you have something. And when you make those connections with the consumers, you can hear how I'm talking. I am an advocate for life for all three of those restaurants and bars that I mentioned. Well, and not to mention, Sam is an advocate for life too. So a uh, little story, just a little caveat, <laughs> because it's it's so incredibly cute. When we were over there for dinner, um, it wasn't even 7.30, and Sam looks at me and goes, Ann, are you ready to go to the brewery <laughs> <laughs> at five years old? Because there's free games and everything. He's like, you just drink some beer, and we get to play free games. I mean, <laughs> gosh, he's the best advocate ever. I'm mean, like, he goes probably just goes to school and tells everybody about you know this brewery. Yeah, mom's going to be in to- trouble. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's a port of market entry that you know you you, you could cultivate very young. But I, I think, I mean, there's a, the customer service, I mean, it, it's so above and beyond. Like you said, it creates an experience that's so mem- memorable. It connects in life. It, it creates a brand love that is so incredibly, like, personal that yes. it, it just is something that you want to experience over and over. And they deliver over and over. It's not like, oh, that just happened once. Yes. It happens over and over. Exactly. And I think that's important to think about no matter what business you're in, whether or not you're in the restaurant business or you're in an industry business or you're in a service business, it's how do you create that experience for your customers that they're like, I got to work with you. Yes. Like, you guys are the ones I want to work with because you do something, you create something. We have this, you know, relationship there, I say, that makes my life different and makes my life better because you are in it. And that sounds really touching feely to say, like, if you're in like a, you know, a very industrial type of, <laughs> you know, environment, but still the, the intent is there. And being able to think through that and process through that, you, you'd be surprised how simple things sometimes have like the biggest impact. So this doesn't mean you have to spend 
a ton of money or, you know, have this like really like brought out, like really like elaborate program. Sometimes it's just having a philosophy and, you know, a, a way of uh, communicating your philosophy in a way of being that inspires people to act differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, why, how these restaurants really truly embody it is that they're just they they love the whole atmosphere of it and they're just inspired to act differently. Well, and then I think it makes all of us inspired, too. Right. right. So to the point of wanting that experience, I never felt in any of those instances or interactions or any of the times I've been there that it was at all inauthentic. Right. And that's the other piece of it is like I watch Mike again going back to the brewery example. I have watched him spend hours walking up to each table asking how their experience is, giving his card and saying if there is anything I can do or we should be doing better please let me know. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, right? Like you can't fabricate that. That's the kind of consistency that, you know, like I've come to so admire and I'm in this business, right? Of marketing and branding and stuff. And so I should probably be a skeptic on some level, Mm -hmm. but it just is, it is in the DNA of these places. And that's what we're really talking about. They are making the community better, by being who they are, which means they love what they do and serving the people they serve. 